Hey friends, we hope you enjoy this sermon from St. Jude Oak Cliff. And if nobody has told you today that they love you, we do. But more importantly, God does. For those that are watching, um, Dallas is going through an unusual freeze. It's about 15 degrees outside, and it won't get above uh, 32 until Wednesday, right? Um, so, so stay warm if you can. Um, take care of your pets. Um, drink lots of soup. Okay, we're going to talk about ice cream trays, sunglasses, and um, the gospel this morning. Oh, look at that. Jess, great. Great things. Well done. Yeah. In fact, I got these ice cream trays out this morning, and Mary said, oh, do you, are you just going to put these outside instead of using the freezer? I said, no, it's how I'm going to explain a biblical way of looking at Jesus. And she goes, oh. Okay, so it's more... So they're not just ice trays. All right, we're going to look at Romans 16, verses 25 to 27, mainly. That's Paul's last words at Romans. And then a story in the book of Acts, chapter 8, that kind of plays out the story of what Paul's talking about. So Romans 16, verses 25 to 27. This is Paul's closing words to the church at Rome. This is the Holy Scripture. Paul says, Now to God who's able to strengthen you, According to my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but it is now disclosed. And through the prophetic writings is made known to all the Gentiles, according to the command of the eternal God, to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever. Amen. Now, Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 38. This is the story of how this works, what Paul just said in Romans 16. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Philip was a deacon, by the way, in the church, get up and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official, of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home, seated on his chariot. He was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you're reading? He replied, well, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sat beside him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, quote, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb silent before its shearer. So he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. Then the eunuch asked Philip, About whom, may I ask you, does this prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip began to speak. And starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. And as they're going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop. And both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water. And Philip baptized him. 
This is the Holy Scripture. Let's pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of all of our hearts and minds together be pleasing and acceptable to you, our Lord and Redeemer. Amen. Um, in a way, I am going to talk about why we wear these. These are just colors of Jesus. And so the reason of the this is now we're in ordinary time, which is between after Christmas tide, we're waiting for Lent. But what we're basically saying is we can't do anything unless Jesus helps us. Jesus helps us in the service. And that includes even reading the Bible. Um, if you watched, uh, if you came to my house, and I hope all of you get to come to my house, and you clicked on YouTube, you would see my strange list of things that I watch on YouTube. Okay? You're going to see, like, wow, that's a lot of pickleball and basketball instruction. Mart is obsessed with, like, basketball strategy and pickleball strategy. I am. And nerdy lectures about the Bible, about philosophy, about uh, semiotics, and about the Bible, and about philosophy. And you're like, that's so weird. Basketball instruction, pickleball instruction. There's great basketball instruction and pickleball instruction on YouTube. And even live pickleball. Oh, yeah. I know. I was watching a lecture, not pickleball the other day, of a very famous biblical scholar given at a very prestigious seminary that would be in our camp. And all of these pastors were writing down what this prestigious biblical scholar was saying about the scripture. And it was really good until, like Knight talks about Corey, until it wasn't. And when he started saying, this is what he said, my pastor doesn't know Hebrew. And my pastor is reading the Bible and, well, I'm in the book of uh, Leviticus and my pastor is talking about Jesus. And he's not talking about what the original author actually meant. My pastor doesn't know how to do. And I thought, no, no, no. And I pulled a Bill Warren and I turned off the lecture. Because he's wrong. And a lot of Christians think the way this Bible scholar thinks. He's wrong. I actually did, well, Bill Warren, he was my, when I was an intern in Southern California, before I was in seminary, I was at Garden Grove Orthodox Presbyterian Church. How many of you guys have been there? All of you? All of you? Really? Okay. All right, thank you. A lot of you have been to Garden Grove Orthodox Presbyterian Church. It's in Orange County. And Pastor Bill Warren was there. He had a little tiny funny mustache, and um, he wore these very inappropriate um, long shorts, and he had very, very white legs, and he wore dark brown socks with um, patent leather shoes. It was just really like, oh, come on, Bill. It was really, it's ridiculous. But he was very, he, he loved Jesus. He liked me a lot. One day we're riding in the car. We're going from the, the safe confines of Orange County to Los Angeles. Because that's dangerous to go to L.A. when you're in Orange County. Like, ooh, we don't go to L.A. We're Orange County people. We're going to L.A. Getting ready for um, VBS. And Bill was very comfortable with prolonged periods of silence. We'd sit in the car for 10, 20 minutes. He wouldn't say a word. I'm an intern, so I'm not going to say a word. And so I'm like, okay, it's kind of weird. <laughs> Out of nowhere, Bill Warren goes, he's driving. You idiot! And I went, like, what did I do? What did I do? Sorry, 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 sorry. He goes, no, not you, me. He forgot something back in the confines of Orange County that we needed to take with us to Los Angeles. But he called himself an idiot. I thought he was telling me that I was an idiot. Well, when I was watching this YouTube of this biblical scholar, I was actually calling this guy, you idiot, 
because what he was doing is that he was ashamed of the sacred nature of Scripture. And that's what I want to talk to you about. There's a reason why we call the Bible Holy Scripture. It's sacred. And you need Jesus to understand it. This biblical scholar looked at the Bible through an ice cube tray. So you guys see, here's the Bible right here, right? Can you go see that there? I'll put it this way. So here's the Bible. If I'm going to read the Bible and I put this ice cube tray, what, is it, what does it say? I, I can't see it. Why can't I see it? Because I got an ice cube tray in front of my face. How do I read the Bible? If I open up the Bible, and this is, I want you guys to use your imagination. The Bible is filled with the true story of Jesus. When you open the Bible, kapow, power, Jesus, God, us, everything comes flying out of it. Oh, it's too much for me to see. I can't understand it. How do I understand this thing? It's way too much for me to see. Oh, I need to put on these Jesus glasses. Oh, now I see it. I can only see the Bible when I'm wearing Jesus. Now, that may sound weird and very uh, primitive, but that's how the Bible is understood. It's apocalyptic. It's not plain. And you think, okay, Mark, now you have to go back and get into the ice cube trays. Oh, I'm going to. I'm going to make this stuff make sense to you guys because it's very important. So um, if, can you go back to Romans chapter 16 for a second for us? Thanks. Thanks, Tammy. So Romans chapter 16, Paul says this. Now to the God, he's saying, I want to bless you and bless God. He's talking about how to understand the scripture. Now to the God who's able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the, and what's the next word there? Revelation. You know what that word actually is? It's the word apocalypse. Apocalypse is the Greek word. Paul says that the Bible is apocalyptic. The word revelation, so when you hear the word apocalypse, you guys, we all think of like zombie apocalypse, right? We think of a bad future. Like, whoa, zombie, weird, or whatever. Whoa. The word apocalypse means reveal, revealing. And Paul says to the God, to my gospel, the proclamation of Jesus, and Jesus is the revealing of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but is now disclosed. So you know what Paul's saying? The Bible is cryptic. The Bible has a hidden quality about it that we don't understand until we what? Have Jesus. But if we don't have Jesus, we can't understand it. That's what he's saying. That mystery, we don't understand it. It's been hidden. It's apocalyptic. So, there's one way to look at the Bible is that it's holy and sacred and it's only understood when you put on Jesus or you can look at the Bible like it's frozen in time, like what? Ice cube, ice cube trays, ice cube trays, frozen in time. And so that's one way we can look at it. Now here's the problem, and what, what I was hoping that this theologian would do is say, now we understand the Bible by wearing Jesus and looking at everything through Jesus. Instead he said, no, what you need to do is have the skills, because the Bible is frozen in time. It's an artifact. You guys ever heard the word artifact? You know what artifact is? Artifact is just something that's old and human-made. Like, cool bottle caps. I like finding, like, bottle caps of soda pop from the 1950s. Like, what? 
that's awesome. That's a Fanta orange bottle cap from like 1964. That's so cool because Fanta orange is awesome. It was only in bottles. And that's an old one. That's rusted. That's cool. So it's not natural. It's man-made. The Bible is an artifact in the sense that it's written by people. But what we tend to think is that the way you understand it is that the meaning of the Bible is frozen in time in the text. It's frozen in time. And all you need, the meaning of it, is the right tools to kind of unthaw it. And then you can see it. Well, you can't see anything through an ice tray because the meaning's not in the ice tray. Let's go on. This meaning is now revealed in Christ. The meaning is always in Christ. Remember the sermon Nike did a few weeks ago in John 5, which is brilliant, John 5, 29? You search the scriptures because you think in me. They point to me. Nike said the meaning, and she's right. The meaning of the Bible is never found just in the Bible. The meaning in the Bible is found in the author of life, who is who? Jesus. And if you don't wear Jesus, you won't understand it. You won't understand it. So what happens, and this is why I'm so passionate about this. If you don't see the Bible as an apocalyptic book, as a holy book, if it's simply an artifact, you become Dr. Frankenstein and you give birth to two twins. Original intent Oscar and primitive intent Pat. Oscar's orange. Primitive intent Pat is... It's pink. What happens is that if you think the meaning of the Bible is simply housed, not in Jesus, but in the Old Testament or New Testament alone, or housed in this primitive book, you're not trusting God to understand the Bible. What are you trusting in? Human stuff. Human stuff. And what happens is that both of these things give birth to a problem from the same origin. So, what this guy didn't know he was doing, he was basically saying, well, this is my way of saying, hyper-fundamentalism, when it comes to understanding the Bible, and hyper-liberalism are both born from not looking at the Bible as an apocalyptic book. I'll show you what I mean by that. This guy tends to be more like original Oscar. He was a conservative scholar. He said, well, you don't, you don't need Jesus to look at this. You just need all the tools of the Old Testament. And you just need to look at this, and there you got it. Really? He said, well, yeah, the, the meaning is right here. Well, Paul said, who knows Jesus, that I don't know the book until it's revealed to me. Now, have you guys ever read that, like in the 1 Corinthians 11, these things are spiritually appraised, and there was a goggles on my face, and there was blinders, and then God revealed the blinders? That's because the Bible is apocalyptic. Here's the good news. Have you ever read a scripture verse and it's been really hard? Like, I don't know what that means. That's normal because it is hard. You know why? Because we need Jesus to understand it. Isn't that encouraging? Oh, no. It's, the meaning's right there. It's real simple. We Americans love simple. We love it. The Bible's not simple. It's not simple at all. It's very difficult. And we need Jesus to understand it. That's my point. 
So what happened is this guy, he's like original Oscar. He said, well, the meaning is in the original intent right here. And if you just unthaw this, you can get it. Ooh, smells like Moses or whoever. And it's all right there. And Moses is pointing to Jesus the whole time. He's pointing to Jesus the whole time. And he's saying, no, you need this. And if you try to read the Bible with this, all you get is an ice cube tray. And you're blinded to the fact that this is not a practical book. It's a holy book. It's a holy book. read it sacredly. We need to read it as a sacred book. We need to put our Jesus goggles on. And what happens is, as soon as the meaning is not in Jesus, if the meaning's in the ice cube tray, then what happens is that original intent Oscar says, well, this is God's here. And then, then primitive Pat says, really? You think God's in that book? Uh, have you ever read it? You know, the writers of Genesis assume a flat earth, and they do. And the writers of Genesis assume that the earth is the center of the solar system, and it does. And so your God's kind of dumb if you believe that. But what do they both have in common? Where's the meaning? Is it in the book or is it in Jesus? It's in the book. And that's a problem. And both of them are embarrassed by Paul. And I am not. Paul is weird, and I want to keep it weird. Peter is weird, I want to keep it weird. Moses is weird, I want to keep it weird. They love Jesus. It's a spiritual book. So, well, what are you getting at, Mark? Okay, this is what I think, there are four ways I think that you need to understand what it means to have the Bible as a sacred book. First of all, that the Bible is cryptic. By cryptic, I mean that it's mysterious until it's opened up to you. But how does the Bible get opened up to you? If you're beginning to understand the Bible, you know why this is very encouraging? If you're beginning to understand the Bible, it's because who is opening your eyes? Jesus, oh, that's it. You're getting it. You're getting it. Jesus is opening your eyes. But it's still difficult. I know. Who do we trust to, to understand it? Trust Jesus. So the it's apocalyptic. That's what Paul says. That the scriptures, now, even think about Paul's story. Remember Paul's story? Paul was a Bible scholar. Paul was original Oscar. Well, I know the Old Testament. I love it. I love it. And I'm going to kill Christians. And I love the Bible. And I'm going to kill Christians. And he did. He was blinded by his own ice cube tray. He's riding. He's got a license to kill Christians. Now, all of a sudden, Jesus does this and pulls his ice cube tray off his head. And what does Paul do? He's blinded by the light of Jesus. He realized he got the whole thing wrong. He can't understand the scripture apart from Jesus. He got the whole thing wrong. He says, who are you, Lord? And he goes, well, why are you killing me? I'm in those men and women and boys and girls. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, go away for a few days and I'll talk to you. And then what happened? The scales fell from his eyes. The Bible was hidden until who opened his eyes? Jesus. He's unashamed of this. And then he realizes, oh, why, you love people. I do. And you love Gentiles. I do, too. I do love Gentiles. And guess what, Paul? You're going to go to the very people that you hated the most and tell them that I love them. Well, okay. Why? Because you got me wrong, and now you have me. And so Paul says, to the glory of God, when I was blinded and I was looking at the Bible through ice cube trays, I saw Jesus, and now I'm beginning to understand it. So the Bible is cryptic, which means it's hidden until it opens, until God... Um, opens our eyes. The second thing, and this is surprising, the Bible is relevant or it's today. 
the, Bible, the stories are not over. The meaning of the story is in your interaction with it. Well, what do you mean, Mark? Well, I'll, I'll give you a text that most English translators are, are embarrassed about. It's in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11, I've not found one that's actually done this because it's Paul, what Paul says there just doesn't make sense to us. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11, Paul is talking about God's warnings to Israel. And he says something very interesting in verses 1, 2, and 3. He says, brothers, I don't want you to be unaware that our ancestors were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. What? Paul basically says something that happened back then meant that they participated in Christ. Well, Paul, that, that was a thousand years ago. Paul is saying, oh, the past is not over. Uh-uh. This book is not over. For you to understand this book, this book has to live. The word of God, the scripture is living and is present. It's still, it's, this is part of our story. Paul says that was Christ. And we look at Paul saying, you're crazy. No, he's not crazy. And if we're going to be true Christians, we, we can't be embarrassed by Paul. We can't be embarrassed by him. He's not, a, he's not an embarrassing person. And then he basically says this later on. These things happened to them to serve as, and it says, an example. And they were written down to instruct us. But that's not the word example. Paul says these things happened to them figuratively. Figuratively? Yeah, literally figuratively. Why? Because the Bible is still present. What does that mean? When I open up any part of the scripture, whatever story going on, it's kind of like, um, do you remember the movie with, with, with Ben, um, you know, Zoolander? I forget his real name. You know, Ben's, Ben Stiller, yeah. A Night at the a Museum, remember that? Remember he goes in the museum at night and all those things are frozen? And then what happens when he goes into the museum, at least old stuff? What happens to the museum? It comes to life. Oh, is that me? Is it me? Oh, I think, I think, am I still doing it? Oh, I'm still doing it, sorry. Well, thanks, okay, thank you all. Um, all I'm saying is that when we read the Bible, it's as though the Bible comes alive and that we're part of the story and that's not over. Because the meaning of the Bible is always related to Jesus, who's always present. And that's how the writers of the New Testament looked at the Old Testament. Paul, who's our apostle, who's inspired by the Holy Spirit, talked about an activity in the book of Exodus and basically says, well, we were there because Jesus was there. So we have to put ourselves back in that story. Because it's for us. He's pulling Jesus out of Exodus. He's looking at the text through what? Through Jesus. Not through ice cubes. And he's an ice cube expert. 
He knows it. It doesn't matter. So basically what I'm saying, the Bible is present. I'll give you an example how this, is, this comes across weird to us. Second Peter. Peter and Second Peter um, begins to talk about Noah and the ark. And guess what Peter says about Noah and the ark? When Peter talks about Noah and the ark, he says, well, basically, the ark is kind of like Jesus, and the waters, it's like getting baptized. So what the story is really about is about trusting in Jesus and getting baptized. And we look at Peter and say, oh, he's a dumb fisherman. That's not what that story is about. That is what that story is about. Because that's what the writer in the New Testament says the story is about. He's making the story alive. And we look at him and we're embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed that way. This is a spiritual book. It needs to be spiritually understood. So it's cryptic. It's hidden. It's present. It's also harmonious. Meaning that it can be very, you know, it's harmonious at times. That some of the writers of the Old Testament, some of the people say, don't sacrifice. Some of the writers say, do sacrifice. But hang in there with them. It all harmonizes. And it all comes down to that it's inspired by Jesus. It's inspired by Jesus. So it, it's, it's cryptic and it's relevant for today. And it's inspired by Jesus and it points to Jesus. Now, why am I bringing this up? In the story of Acts chapter 8, this is lived out. The Ethiopian eunuch is reading a book. He can't understand it. Oh, you know why he can't understand it? Because it's hidden. So what happens? God sends his messenger, Philip a deacon, and the, the Holy Spirit says, get up in that chariot and tell this guy about Jesus. And Philip says, do you understand it? And the guy goes, no, it's hidden. He goes, you're right. Let me tell you about Jesus. You know what he didn't say? You're right. Let's do a lesson on Hebrew. Let's do a lesson in Greek. Let's do a lesson in, in grammar. He didn't say that. He says, it's hidden from me. And then also, which is very important, you've got to see, this is where the writers of the New Testament and Old Testament are so smart. And this is kind of my whole sermon. We've got to be owls rather than ducks. Okay, what do ducks say? Quack, 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 quack. Okay, what, what's a duck? What, 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 what? That's a duck. What, 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 what? What did the Ethiopian not say? When he read Isaiah 53, he didn't say, what does this mean? What does this mean? What, what, what? He was not a duck. He was an owl. Who, who, who? Okay, who? What did he ask? Who was this about? Who was this about? And what did Philip say? It's about the guy I've been telling you about. It's about Jesus. <gasps> Boom. And his eyes were opened. Whenever we read the Bible, we've got to say, who was this about? Who, who, not what. We won't understand the what until we know the who. And we've got to be owls. And that's how we understand these things. We understand these things. And I think what's so interesting is that if we're going to be faithful to Jesus, we've got to be, it's, 
we can't give birth to Frankensteins because then we, we, get, we get original Oscar and then we get you know, primitive Pat and, and they're both missing the point. They're both embarrassed by the fact that the Bible is a cryptic book that's only opened when you trust in Jesus. <laughs> that's the way it is. It's a holy book. It's a holy book. So here's what I want you all to do. Next time you think about reading the Bible, we, 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 our inner nine-year-old boy has to come out. Like, you know, nine-year-old boys and nine-year-old girls, they love like, what if I open up this book and like, wow, pow, pow, all the sparks and flyers coming out. Ooh, it has. Ooh, you need to put on the right glasses. Oh, there, now I can, okay, Lord Jesus, help me understand this. And he will. He will. Also, here's why, just in a couple practical things. When, when people say, well, just trust the Bible, it's easy. Um, that's ice cube trays. Because they think the meaning is where? It's just there. The meaning is right there. The meaning isn't there. Jesus is the text of the Bible. It's in him. And we don't understand it apart from him. We don't understand it. Period. We don't understand it. We can't make this rational. It, it can't be evangelical rational. It can't be liberal rational. It's sacred. It's holy. It's weird. Let's not be ashamed of it. Or don't be embarrassed about it. My friend, who I don't know, but wrote through that lecture, he's embarrassed by the spiritual nature of this book. He's embarrassed that only Jesus opens our eyes and tried to make it rational. And that gives birth to hyper-fundamentalism and hyper-liberalism, and they're both blinded because they're not using Jesus' glasses to read the Bible. Does that make sense? So I'm just saying, you know what? It's hard to understand we need Jesus. And then also, when you read an old... Here's another thing. Have you ever part of the Old Testament and you get uncomfortable? Like, ooh, that's a lot of violence. Have you ever thought you're supposed to get uncomfortable? You're supposed to get uncomfortable. And that's where you say, Lord Jesus, help me. I'm, I'm uncomfortable here. I'm having a hard time seeing you here. I know you are, but hang in there with it. Stay in the story. He'll show up. He knows we're uncomfortable. Maybe we're supposed to stay with it and figure out how it is. That's what Peter did. He was uncomfortable with the story of Noah. He hung in there with it, and guess what he found out? Well, it's really about Jesus. It's about getting in the boat and then getting baptized. And we look at Peter and say, oh, he's just a fisherman. No, he's not a fisherman. He's an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ who's written the Holy Scripture and it's found in our Scripture. He's not stupid. I'm not smarter than him. I'm not going to try to get beyond him. I'm going to follow him. Because that's how we read the Bible. And I'm going to read the Bible the same way. I'd rather go to the Peter school. Because I've been to these other schools. I've been to this school, I've been to this school, and they didn't help. And they're missing Jesus, both of them. I'm not embarrassed by this. I'm not embarrassed by the spiritual nature of this book. Because when I tell people about Jesus from this book, guess what happens? They get sober. They stop blaming themselves. They begin to get a purpose. They meet God face to face. Because they know this book is true, and they need Jesus to figure it out. This Bible is cryptic, and it's sacred, and Jesus is the key to everything. Let's never be embarrassed by that, okay? Let's pray.
Lord Jesus, this book is not easy, but it's good because you're all through it. And every time we open it, we need you so much. So would you teach us as we talk about the Bible, about yourself, about the easier parts in the Gospels and the more difficult parts in Genesis or Leviticus or Zechariah or even the book of Revelation. We trust you and need you and love you. And we're so grateful that we don't read the Bible on our own, but you open our eyes to who you are on every page. So please, Lord, as we depend upon you, as we put your goggles on, your glasses on, show us yourself. We pray in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.